Drawn and Paneled is the comic book showcase podcast from Gen X Grown Up. Every Wednesday, we bring you news, reviews, interviews, insight, and commentary on the comic books we love from the golden age to the modern age. We love to hear from our podcast listeners, so write to us at podcast at drawnandpaneled.com. And if you enjoy what we do, please take a moment to support us by becoming one of our patrons at patreon.com slash genxgrownup. Welcome back, podcast listener, to this, our 15th edition of the Drawn and Panel Podcast. With me, as always, today is Jason. Hey, everybody. And John is here as well. Hey, howdy, guys. In today's podcast, we'll talk about a new series on Hulu, two free comic book day books, a classic detective, and a watercolor fantasy tale. But first... First, how much would you pay? (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to talk a little bit about something that we recently discussed on one of our previous Drawn and paneled episodes. John, you asked mm-hmm. us a question about who draws all the weird words and sound effects stuff, not inside the bubbles, but the stuff that's just kind of part of the artwork, right? Oh, right. Yeah. Like all the mm-hmm. booming voice stuff. Yeah. It said there's yeah. the stuff in the yeah. bubbles and I asked about the the large, large text that's outside right. there. The Biff, pow, kabang, all that yeah. kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And I had thought it was the letterer. And yes. that may be true in some cases. I'm not saying that it's not true. However, I have recently been reading a book about how to write for comic books. It's mm-hmm. a really interesting book. It was hmm. given to me by one of our friends at Scout Comics because I had an idea for a story and they said, oh, we'd like to do that as a comic book. Do you know how to write for comic books? I'm like, I have no idea how to write for comic <laughs> books. And so he gave me this book, sent it to me from Amazon, and it teaches you how to write a script script in the comic book format. So Hmm. as I was reading that recently on my latest trip, I found out that a lot of that stuff is decided by the writer and it's tagged as SFX in the script outline. Mm -hmm. And then it's the artist who ends up drawing it most of the time. Wait a minute. Yeah. (laughs) Misplaced trust. I asked you because I didn't know you lied to me. I did. I unintentionally lied, but I I did lie because. Okay. That's not as bad as a a, a, blatant lie, I guess. Unintentional. No, right, right. Yeah, not intentional lies. Hmm. <laughs> okay. But That's it turns interesting. Out, yeah, it's part of the artwork a lot of times. And I guess it kind of makes sense because I started looking at some of the examples they had there. And there was like this little girl who was screaming no, no, no at her parents as she ran upstairs to her room. And all mm-hmm. the no's that she was screaming, the artist had drawn them into like the stairs. Right. And onto yeah. the sides of walls and stuff like that. And it, I guess it didn't dawn on me to think of it like that way when you asked the question. But of course, something like that would be done by the artist because they have to know how to fit that in with their art, right? So right, yeah. apparently that's the way it goes. So color me wrong, I hmm. suppose. Well, it makes well, sense. I, I mean, that that's kind of why I asked the question because it, it seemed like it could easily fall on either side of the fence. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not saying that it doesn't happen from the letterer at different times. It might be, you know, depending upon the book and where the words are and if they're a part of the artwork or not, you know, mm-hmm. there could be different reasons, but it seems as though the traditional stance is that the artist will handle that kind of stuff. Hmm. Well, you learn something new every day. <laughs> yes, you do. Especially when you listen to Drawn in Panels. <laughs> I sure do, because I don't know anything. It really That's helps. right. Well, let's learn a few more things right after this. Well, here's my new place. I finally got everything I need to entertain. Great new TV, the best audio, and DC Comics. No, really. They've sure changed over the years. They're not for kids anymore. There's sophisticated horror like Sandman, action stories like Watchmen, incredible graphic novels. Oh, yeah, check this one out. No, not my girlfriend. Say hi, Tina. 
This graphic novel, look at the art in Black Orchid. The new generation of DC Comics. See what you've been missing. Hey there, Drawn and Paneled podcast listener. I want to take just a second to tell you about something you didn't know you were missing. I'm John, and along with Mo, hey everybody, and George, hey, how's it going, guys? We are Gen X Grown Up. Gen X Grown Up is a website, YouTube channel, and audio podcast by and for Generation Xers, kids of the late 70s and early 80s who may have grown older but have refused to grow up. Every week on our podcast, we cover media, games, tech, toys, comics, games, and pop culture of yesterday and today through the eyes of guys who grew up loving that stuff. And every other week, we do a backtrack where we pick a single nostalgic topic from our youth and dig in deep. You can find us anywhere you listen to your podcasts or find us right on our website at genxgrownup.com. If you're a Generation Xer or know someone who is, I hope you'll check out Gen X Grown Up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown up, grown up. George and John, it's time to discuss what's happening in the world of comics. Woohoo! All right. And Yay. what better way to start? We just got through my favorite holiday, Free Comic Book Day. <laughs> is it a holiday? Though, is it really? It, I, well, John, it is. It's a religious experience for comic book nerds everywhere. I'll say that much. Right. Okay, and I'll th- give you that. This year, hey, this year it fell on May the 4th, be with you also. Oh, right. We got a double entendre today. That, this it, was awesome. It was amazing. Did you guys get to participate this year? Not a damn bit. Oh, no. That's a shame. <laughs> what about you, John? Uh, I was hiding inside from all the Star Wars freaks. I was afraid I would encounter them in the wild. So oh, okay. I was holed up in my house waiting for the uh, the sixth uh, to get here or the mm. fifth or whatever. Whatever <laughs> day is after yeah. the- Whatever day was after that day whatever that I didn't want to participate in. to Mayo. I headed to the Mexican restaurant for some tequila. But before that, I did not go out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in Atlanta this weekend for a music festival, but I got to hit a one store for free comic book day this year. Criminal cool. Records. Uh, it's a record wait, store. Wait, wait, wait. Criminal yeah. Records? Yes. So it's been around for a long time. It's a comic book store slash record store. It's in ah. a little trendy area in Atlanta. It's a real neat place. I've been a few times before. There was actually a line to get into the store before it opened. Never seen that really? before. Yes. You know, our not, little... I mean, not here in my local hometown. I mean, the stores here are pretty busy, but not so busy that there's right. a line out front. Uh, yeah, it was, it was busy. I was surprised. I brought, you know, drug some friends along with me because they've never experienced before. And they're like, oh, man, dude, what are you doing? It's hot. We have to stand in line. It stinks around here. (laughs) Um, But it wasn't too bad. The cool thing was, you know, our stores in our town, George, usually get three books, two or three books Mm -hmm. to choose from. Right. We got to get 10 Jeez, wow. 10 yeah, books with 10 a line books. around the block and you got 10 books damn yeah 10 books it was awesome and my friends don't read comics so i got 40 books so. <laughs> nice. i am so happy i didn't go out for free comic book day this year because now i get some of jason's free books right i i doubled up on a few things i so Sweet. yeah i'll nice. share the love yeah <laughs> one for him and and one to get graded none for george <laughs> well jason what about i I saw that you put in the list there's some new series that's going to be on Hulu. 
That's right. After Avengers Endgame, which I'm sure we've all seen, uh, but we'll refrain from spoilers. Mm -hmm. I was expecting a lot of announcements for Disney Plus series or new Marvel films, but we got uh, announcements for some new Hulu series from Marvel. And one of those is Ghost Rider, which really and it's the same guy who played Ghost Rider in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season that featured Ghost Rider. Oh, right. Yeah. I I thought you were going to say it was Nick Cage. I was about to jump through. Through my microphone no, and strangle no. somebody at Marvel headquarters. No, no, it's it, it's the guy from Agents of Shield, and I really he did liked, a really good yes, job. I really yeah. liked that, and I liked that part of that season from a couple seasons ago. So that's actually really cool that they've um, decided to use that character again in his own series, and it's on Hulu, which is you know I was expecting Disney, but you know that's cool right, too. Yeah. yeah, it's nice that they're spreading it out like that. Mm-hmm. It's rare that networks will actually like use the same characters. Like, no, this is my production. I'm starting over new cast and like right. fine you have an established character an actor just use them and they did that's pretty cool yes I, I'm excited about it Ghost Rider's an interesting character um, so we'll see where it goes sweet I've got a bit of uh, good news too to report or happy okay. news yeah so a uh, man from Ohio donated 2.5 million dollars worth of comics to the University of South Carolina library recently really okay Okay, that's a crazy amount of comic books. They must be some super valuable books in that selection. Mm-hmm. But University of South Carolina? Really? Well, this gentleman had, they, they estimate 143,000 comics, but that's just a number they've thrown out. They, they're not really wow. sure. It may take years to figure out how many there actually are, but they were appraised. There's the first appearance of the Justice League, first appearance of Spider-Man, you know, stuff dating back from the 60s. And he Man. was looking for someone to donate it to and did not want to break up the collection. And University of- I would have taken them all. <laughs> Why did he call me? But before you clarify how many comics there were, I'm like, so $2.5 million for the comics. Did he just dump 5 million 50 cent comics or are there some better titles right. in there? Right. <laughs> like, I just got to get rid of this crap. Take this University of South Carolina. <laughs> but no, so there's there's actually some things with value. Or was it like, you know, two issues of the first Superman? Or I don't know everything they threw out, you know, Spider-Man, Black Panther, Captain America, Justice League. So there's some, some obviously some stuff key yet. issues, though, from be, that yeah. era. Right. Yeah. Hit that price point. I still can't get over University of South Carolina, though. I mean, he's from Ohio. Ohio man donates two point five million dollars mm-hmm. worth. Why not University of Ohio or maybe the Smithsonian if you wanted to do something, you know, Grand or something down. like that. Maybe he offered oh, me right. some things. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Well, University of South Carolina, like, sure, we got some room over here. We don't do no educating around here, so might as well give us the comic books. We have empty lung boxes. We'll take <laughs> Actually, them. a lot of people wanted the collection, but they didn't want the whole thing, and he didn't want to break it up. And U- mm, USC, yeah. See, uh, did turn South, him down. South Carolina wanted the whole thing to go with a collection of pulp magazines and, and all kinds of stuff, and they wanted this to include the have kind of a representation of what they consider 20th century literature, and it'll be open for anybody with an ID to come and read these comics. Um, so oh. it's pretty, it's pretty cool. It's kind of part of a, I guess, display and collection that they have to kind of represent media from the 20th century. Yeah, sounds pretty neat. I mean, I can't imagine how many long boxes that is. You get 40 to 50 books in a long box. That's mm-hmm. going to be a crazy amount of boxes right. to stick 140 some odd thousand comic books in. 
in. John, what about you? You got any interesting news for us today? I just have uh, a, a little report that uh, because of your influence, I happen to be in Sacramento uh, as I travel on business quite a bit. And so I had some time before I had to go catch my flight. And I said, let's see what comic shops are around. So I, ah, like, to, mm. I like to look up little comic shops, not so much for the comics traditionally, but just they tend to be collectible stores and, you know, right, yeah, just right. gizmos and toys and whatever. So I found uh, a little place in downtown Sacramento called Oblivion Comics and Coffee Shop. And yeah. okay. I hit it up. Yeah. So I just want to let you guys know that I uh, that uh, I did go and hit it up and I went downtown specifically to see a comic book store due to your influence. Uh, <laughs> I'm so around. proud. They, John's growing aren't up. Aren't you? Oh, oh man. Was, One day. You were renewing your comic book license. That's what it was. Is that? Yeah. Well, they, they <laughs> yeah. have a lot of pop vinyls, of course. And it was really mostly a comic book shop, though. It was not cool. a collectible and toys and action figures kind of thing. Uh, it wasn't huge, but it was moderate. Pretty much was half coffee shop and half comic book store. Uh, okay. They did have several uh, graphic novels of The Shadow, so I was very proud that they had that. Oh, good. Um, did you pick so anything up while you were there? I didn't. The things that they had, I already had, or their graphic novels, I already had them as individual issues, so I didn't pick them up. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I, I leafed through them, and I uh, kind of checked, you know, is there any discount on these? No, they were cover price, so I just let them go for now. But it was nice to uh, just hit it up and walk through. I felt like I had a little bit of uh, credibility, because I'm on uh, this fancy uh, comic <laughs> book podcast. That's right. So, you can tell them. I'm an industry insider now. I'm on a comic book podcast. <laughs> You should oh, give yeah. me free stuff. Oh, right. yeah. Right on the inside. That's where I am. <laughs> if you're looking for adventure this summer, escape with Marvel Comics. Fight crime with Spider-Man. Meet the Fantastic Four and watch Captain America in action. May the force be with you as you battle the evil empire in Star Wars. Discover the secrets of the South American jungle in Raiders of the Lost Ark. And with Marvel Comics, you're never alone because they can go with you in the car or to the park, even on a rainy day. Marvel Comics are your ticket to fun and adventure this summer. Today in our hot seat interview segment, we have writer producer Don Hanfield. Don, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So we've got a series of questions that we always like to ask our creators here on Drawn and Paneled before we review their book in the roundtable. And the first question is, where were you born? Where's your hometown? Well, that's a, a little bit of a complicated answer for me. I was born in Bloomington, okay. Indiana. My, my my dad was in, uh, was in grad school there, so I went to... Uh, born in Bloomington on the campus of Indiana University, but I consider my hometown probably Virginia, um, where I where I spent most of my upbringing. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I got you. Uh, tell us a little bit about your work in the comic book industry, like awards you've won, books you've produced, that kind of stuff. Well, at first, I grew up reading comic books. There was a place called Hole in the Wall Books in Virginia, Alexandria, that I would go all the time, and they would they actually would pull books for me when I was in like even fifth or sixth grade. You know, that was like the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle days when it first came right. out. Right. Fish Police and Samurai and all these cool indie books. Nexus. I was a real big Nexus fan. And then I just sort of read comics on and off as I grew up. And then when I was, um, I was actually uh, a television and film writer, which I still am, but I was wanting to do something that I had a little more creative control over and just kind of got into it that way. There was a uh, first comic I wrote was called The Rift. And that was something mm. where I just wanted to kind of do everything from start to finish, write it. And, you know, I wrote that with my writing partner who I write with in TV. His name's Richard Rayner. And from there, I, I teamed up with uh, a writer named James James Hike III for uh, The Mall, which was a, a blast. Right. And we're still doing that one together. And then uh, The Source I did with my friend Josh Malkin. I mean, I love to collaborate. I have a lot of friends that are are also creative and it's always more fun to write with someone else than it is alone in a room. 
But oh, uh, sure. my fourth my fourth book, the one that just came out for free comic book day, I'm actually doing by myself, which is called The Dark Age. But again, when I say by myself, I'm the sole writer, but I have a, a great team of people who've been helping me on it, including uh, a good friend of mine from high school, Todd Smith, who's editing it for me. And then I have another good friend uh, who was my roommate in college named uh, William Schindler, who is a pretty distinguished professor of archaeology, who has been the guy I've been kind of going to for some of the scientific stuff as far as, you know, he's an expert in paleontology and archaeology. And so oh, he's okay. uh, he, he's the one who, he, he does experiential archaeology. So he actually gets his students to actually skin animals and then tan the hide and wear them. And so he knows all the <laughs> minutiae of that. So when I was telling him metal disappeared, that's the guy to call to say what happens because he uh, he would know as far as the science behind it and how, how humans would have to survive without it. That's a good segue then. Why don't you give us a brief 30-second elevator pitch of what the Dark Age is? Sure. Yeah. Basically, it's set in the near future and every piece of workable metal on Earth suddenly turns to worthless piles of rust and dust. So basically, you have technology gone guns gone, computers gone, and humanity kind of reverts to this violent feudal system, which each little pocket of civilization ruled by a different kind of mode of sort of pre-technology uh, governmental system. So there's a, a feudal, our main character is in like a feudal system with like a castle and knights of plastic and wood and concrete. There's a, a, a much more militant organization that comes into the later issues. It's more like the Roman Empire meets like the stormtroopers. And, uh, and then there's obviously uh, the first people's nation, which is sort of the Native American uh, peoples that when metal disappeared had the old ways that they knew. So they able to, they were able to really thrive and create their own nation that sort of wow. born out of the, the okay. mid-Atlantic states. So Cool. Tell us a little bit about your inspiration for the book. Where did you come up with the idea and what triggered it? You know, my my daughter's 11 years old now, 10, 10 years old, going on 16. And her face is always, <laughs> it, a lot of times it's either in, in a book or an iPad. And also, I would just, and also, you know, so that was one thing. I was just like, well, what if iPads disappeared? How, how would my life change? But also, um, you know, a lot of post-apocalyptic stuff is always zombies or, or radiation and I just wanted and, and guns and I just wanted to do something without guns where people had to go back to sort of uh, you know a post-apocalyptic where they're back to sort of you know paleolithic in some ways technology but it's this odd mix because right. they have fabric and concrete and plastic so they could build these castles and probably do things that you wouldn't necessarily see in a paleolithic society so that was kind of the inspiration and this is a really cool book to release in free comic book day because this is a time when people can get a brief glimpse into the book, decide right away for free whether or not they want to stick with the series. I'm sure that they're going to. I know I read the book and I'm really, I'm going to stick with it as soon as it hits the shelves. But what made you decide to release it as free comic book day book instead of just on its own merits as issue number one? You know, I've had just great success with free comic book day. First of all, I love it. I used to take my kids all the time and just, I still think it's just a great family event, you know, but also, you know, the Rift was launched on free comic book day. The mall was mm -hmm. launched on free comic book day. It's just, it just find it to be a great, kind of benchmark, you know, it's something you have to sort of write toward, you have to have your, you know, the rest of the book ready to release after that, or at least underway. And it's just a great way, I think, to launch it to a broader audience, particularly for indie comic publishers, which are the, the ones I tend to go to go with. Sure, absolutely. Well, before we get out of this interview, Don, we have our five rapid fire questions of death. Are you ready, sir? I'm ready. Okay, you're the first person who's ever been ready for the questions of death. So that's awesome. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Question number one, your favorite favorite Muppet? Man, my favorite Muppet. It, it, that's uh, Super Grover. 
hands down. Super Grover. And, <laughs> anim, actually, he's not a Muppet. That's like a Sesame Street. Well, the still, Muppet Show. You know, animal. I'd say animal. animal? Okay. Animal from the Muppet yeah. Show. I'll give you that one. Animal's awesome. Okay. Best drummer in the world. He is. <laughs> he's awesome. Okay. Question number two. A guilty pleasure that you're ashamed to admit. Man, I'd say video games, you know? Video games, video really? Games. I, love, I okay. love video games, yeah. I was just playing Fortnite with, I played tennis with my son, then we played Fortnite. So we're going to probably go okay. back to Fortnite Okay, well, that's not such a shameful, guilty pleasure. I think we all like that one pretty much. That's, okay, video good. games are awesome. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Question number three, your favorite 80s film or TV show? Oh, wow. That's a tough one, man. I have so many I love. Um, I love uh, Karate Kid, I love Can't mm. Buy Me Love. Favorite 80s TV show? Probably Quantum Leap. Huge Quantum oh, Leap good, fan. good TV show, yeah. Well, if you like Karate Kid, you've got to be watching Cobra Kai from YouTube now. I watched season one, which I loved immensely. I got so much pleasure out of it, and I'm excited to dive into season two. Question number four, your favorite comic or comic book character that you didn't create? Well, my favorite character as a kid was probably Nexus or Guardian from Alpha Flight when I was uh, the first Guardian when I was a kid. Um, Now, uh, I love Deadpool. My son loves Deadpool, too. So I'd say I'm probably into Deadpool right now. Yeah, he's pretty (laughs) great. He likes unicorns. So do I. So that's cool. Hey, nothing wrong with unicorns, right? That's right. That's right. (laughs) All right. Question number five. Give us a brief 30-second plug of where people can find your stuff out there on the web. Well, they can go to red5comics.com for the Rift and for Dark Age. And they can also go to scoutcomics.com for The Source, which is another series I do in the mall. Um, I'm also going to have a um, pre-order store for my Kickstarter for Unicorn, U-N-I-K-O-R-N, that was successful. We're going to have a pre-order store. People can go on and order that book, but also order other books and some cool stuff like some slabs, some 9.8 graded slabs signed by some cool people they can get get from there as well. That'll be live in the next couple of weeks. That is awesome. Don, thank you so much again for joining us here today on Drawn and Paneled. Thanks for having me, man. Always a pleasure. And we will see you guys in the next segment. After a series of startling defeats at the hands of the Decepticons, the Autobots create a new breed of Transformers. They look human. They look human, but they're pretenders. Pretender Transformers. Pretenders hide the Transformers inside. The Decepticons have their own pretenders, strange and terrifying. Pretender Transformers. They've got the power to surprise. Battle of the Pretenders, new from Marvel Comics. Gentlemen, those were some very fine interviews. Let's talk now about the comic books. And first up on the roundtable today is Midnight Sky. Midnight Sky is from Scout Comic Books. It's one of their free comic book day offerings this year. What did you guys think about this book? I know I really enjoyed it. John, what about you? Uh, It was weird. Something about uh, (laughs) magic blood. Right. Yes. that was slaughtering people. It uh, it didn't grab me right away. And it, I don't know why that is. I mean, it's again, not that I have a basis in, you know, who the artists are mm-hmm. or anything. The art style I found a little, um, I don't know, a little scratchy, a little less than realistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Yeah. But, but it was interesting. I, but I, the thing is with the, the weird uh, killer blood and after a while, this girl healed up, I found it a little bit, I didn't follow exactly what was happening, what was confusing. It felt very much like an issue that was setting something up moving coming along forward later. Well, and that's what all good free comic books mm-hmm. The books do. Yeah. They, mm-hmm. you know, they give you sure. a little yeah, teaser yeah. and set something up and hopefully you'll want to come back for the full issue just to either because A, you loved what you saw or B, because you're like, what the hell was that? I <laughs> yeah, need to enough. see right. a little right. bit yep. more of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, 
I I found it very intriguing. It seemed to be as though, you know, post-apocalyptic society mm-hmm. looks like magic is in the world and it seems to have deformed some people, but you can only see them with like when they're in the light, mm-hmm. not when they're in the dark. So like the flashlight, right. you know, kind of Alan Wake style, that old video game, John, that oh, I yeah, played yeah. back in the yeah, day. I, I, I didn't make that connection in the art, but now that you explained it, that I, I get what I was looking at. Yep. Yeah. So, and, you know, obviously the people who are, you know, deformed or whatever that was, they're undesirable mm-hmm. because as soon as they're exposed, they take off running, you know, and it looks like that girl, her blood must have something to do with saving humanity, possibly. So or destroying it or something. It, yeah. 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 There, there, there was a <laughs> lot going on. This was definitely a tease. Uh, but yeah. I'm interested in to see kind of more of the setup of this world. But, you know, the the blood was kind of wild. I read it on the way up here to Atlanta. I'm like, man, what is going on? And then the end, it looks like the son is one of these demon people also. Right. Um, so, yeah, a yeah, lot, lot happening in this book. This is not the only free comic book day book that we have to discuss today. We also got to take a look at Dark Age. Jason? What do you think of Dark Age? I really enjoyed this one. Uh, it's about a world where metal and iron just I, I, does it disintegrate or disappear. It just becomes useless. It just goes poof. Yes. Every metal on the planet just completely goes to rust and ruin in an instant. Yep. It's like Thanos snapped away metal. It was gone. Right. <laughs> yes, exactly. And then we're thrust into a world, uh, basically the Dark Ages. People are riding around horses and set up different little encampments and kingdoms or, or you know, feudal systems. Well, because, system. yeah. you know, you think about it, you, if you've got no metal, that's all circuit boards, all guns. Right. All building structures that are made out of metal for the frameworks and things like that all go poof in the night. I mean, of course, you know, what are you left with? Now you're left with plastics, but how do you deal with plastics? Because you don't have anything to melt them in because everything you melted them in previously was made out of metal. Yeah, no crucible. Yep. Right? <laughs> so you got bone and glass and stuff like that. You've got to work with it. Mm-hmm. You know, with stone and things like that from the old days. You don't even have anvils like you might have had in feudal times, you mm-hmm. know, to make swords out of and stuff. No guns, no bullets, none of that stuff. So I think it's going to be an interesting title. John, is this something that catches your fancy as a comic book newbie guy or? Well, I, I regret that I'm going to have to agree with Jason that this was pretty damn cool. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there, were, there were, I mean, just the whole premise, the beginning, the first three or four pages just grabbed me. I'm like, hold on, I'm going to have to read this now. You know, it wasn't just let's take a look for the show. It was like, wait, you know, the, the just the the premise of how you know things are going along just hunky dory, and you know, you see uh, things start to disappear, and someone's glasses, the the frames that, disappear. That was and the an amazing scene. That was awesome. Yeah. And then there was the, the cop and his gun and badge were disappearing. Badge disappeared, right? And, yeah. And probably the, the best thing I could say about this book, the art was nice, the lettering, the art, you know, all the things that I don't know dick about were nice. But the thing that it did great for me is had to be the writing is that I start my brain went beyond the page. I'm like, oh, what else is gone? What else is screwed up? Right. What if somebody has a, you know, a, 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 what do they have a metal hip? Joint, you know, like a crunch that's gone. It's just thinking of all the things, you know, pacemakers and anything. Oh, you know, man. planes, you know, there's a plane flying, and all of a sudden the plane is going to be gone and just the seats are going to fall. You know, yeah, you're was, just sitting on a cushion falling through the yes, air. Yes, <laughs> yes. So my mind went to what else is happening out there. So that's, I'm going to say that's just kudos to partially to the art that kind of you let me picture, but just the writing that get this. I'd never heard of a premise like this before. I thought it was badass. It was really cool. 
Yeah, and that's one of the great things. You talk about your mind jumping from place to place to place that's not in the actual artwork or book itself. It's called writing in the gutters for comic book guys. So the gutters are the little spaces in between the panels. And the whole point is to allow the reader to create what happens between the panels in those little gutter spaces in their own mind because it's such a static medium, right? Mm-hmm. You My know, mind is got- always in the gutter. I would be good at that. <laughs> <laughs> we know. <laughs> this is from an author. Don Hanfield wrote a book called The Rift a few years ago. Okay. And The Rift is going to be the very first episode of the new Amazing Story series that's coming out later on this year. I remember hearing you talk yeah. about that. Yep. So this is from that same guy. So yeah, a really go. cool book. He's been writing for a lot of years, both in television and Hollywood and all this stuff. And, and what is his obviously name? Obviously done some great. Don Hanfield. Don Hanfield. Well, hey, so for what it's worth, a guy that doesn't know anything about comic books, I wholeheartedly approve of your work, Don. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Don will appreciate that when he listens to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jason, you brought a really interesting book to the roundtable this week. Tell us a little bit about Dick Tracy Forever. Well, I think most people know who Dick Tracy is, but he's been around for since the 30s and 40s, comic strip, hard-nosed detective, uh, square-jaw detective. You know, that's kind of the a throwback phrase, but he's the do-girder guy. Uh, but he's back in a new series, you know, rounding up crime uh, from IDW. I don't know if you guys have any familiarity with Dick Tracy. This is kind of a, other than Warren Beatty, this was kind of a intro into that character for me. And I really dug it. I mean, yeah, obviously you mentioned the Warren Beatty movie mm-hmm. with Madonna. And right. All the uh, Al, Pacino, Al Pacino, I think, was in that one, right, yes. John? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was crazy. I I enjoyed Dick Tracy from the old comic strips. I never read any of the Dick Tracy comic books, however, when I was younger. And I got to say that while this book was interesting, it wasn't my favorite of the four that we're talking about today. It was probably my least favorite. It just, I don't know why, it just didn't hit anything that really grabbed a hold of me. I did find it interesting that they kept it, you know, like, let's tell one little story in this part of the book mm-hmm. and then let's tell another story in this part of the book. And then they kind of tied them together later on a little bit. But yeah, not my favorite for sure. John, what about you? I'm afraid your opinion is incorrect. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> this coming from the shadow nerd. So yeah. let's go ahead yeah, and see well, what you yeah, got to say. So there's that direct parallel. I mean, the Dick Tracy comes right out of the, you know, the forties and the fifties. And uh, I, I liked the story in this book did not just absolutely send me over the moon. Mm-hmm. But I thought the uh, the way that it kind of mo- just barely modernized the original look of Dick Tracy, I thought was really awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's true. The they thick, did a good job. With heavy that. lines and the the kind of angular stuff. It just kind of spoke like, oh, this is like an old uh, like newspaper comic strip, you know, not so much a comic book. It felt like that, and it, it felt like an old activity book. It had yes. a crossword puzzle. <laughs> it had a word search. That's right. Like, Sold. I'm gonna ruin this comic book because I'm gonna get my marker out <laughs> and I put my pin marks in it. I thought it was cool because I've never seen that in any books you've asked me to read. It's just, we are comic book literature. And this was like, hey, when I have fun with a comic book, I felt much more like, hey, kids, it's uh, get your decoder rings and it's Dick Tracy. I had that feeling in this book <laughs> because they put those activities in. I'm like, I would have just loved that as a kid. And so I know this Dick Tracy's not a kid thing, but it made me feel young going, I remember that kind of thing being in books. So, But this could be a kid book. I mean, this book 
you could give to a kid and feel comfortable with them reading it. There was nothing gratuitous in it. Yeah, it's not raunchy no or anything, language. But it's, it's hard-boiled right. detective work, and he might not care about it, but it, it wouldn't be inappropriate. Yeah, that's fair. It wasn't just a crossword puzzle. Like, each one was like its own work of art, too, so it was nice to look at, for me at least. That's right. Yep. Pretty cool books. I mean, I not my favorite. I think... The one that I chose was probably the best one of the bunch. So I picked Ascender. (laughs) (laughs) Not to, you know, not to be biased at all, but, you know, I'm I'm right. So it's okay. You guys can. Okay. As long as as you think so. That's what's important. Of course. (laughs) You know, at least it's important to me. But I really enjoyed Ascender because it was one of the few books that I've read in a long time that was done in watercolor format, which Mm -hmm. I really found nice for this story. And it was a fantasy book, a little bit in the vein of the star Wars fantasy style storytelling. Mm -hmm. You know, you had this, you know, mystical magical stuff going on throughout the galaxy. And so it kind of felt like, you know, the Sith Lord in the beginning. And then, you know, like the Jedi at the end with the little girl. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, it looks like there's going to be an heir apparent story. Who's, you know, this little girl is going to come rise up. Up and everything. I enjoyed it quite a lot. I don't know what you guys thought about it, though. I thought it was a great choice, George. Um, See? Way to keep mm, your seat, mm, Jason. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> Suck up. I know who writes the checks around here. Uh, so, no, it was really good. I, I thought the world building was great. It, it gave us a lot in a few pages. I got a the biggest Star Wars vibe I got from it was actually when the little girl is in the market trying to haggle to get some fruit and then the soldiers come up and harass her. I got a very mm-hmm. Moss Eisley, tattoo kind of Star Wars vibe from that. Yeah, and she has her, like, her father who's kind of like trying to shield her from the rest of the world don't go to that place and everything so it was very much like the uncles keeping luke from Moss Eisley, like you were talking about i would agree that the watercolor is uh both really cool and but also the best part of the book for me okay so you like that better than the story itself well i I found the artwork to be like unfinished looking like it was scribbly Mm -hmm. and pencil-y and it just distracted me it just looked unfinished it was i don't know how, how to explain it any further than that and there, it was so highfalutin and yet not mature enough for me. Oh, example, like anywhere you have a story where you have Tweedledum and Tweedledee comic relief incompetent guys and somebody mm-hmm. else fools. And I'm like, come on. <laughs> and literally there was a scene where somebody yells fools because they're right. bumbling fools. And I'm like, that's that doesn't I don't know. It, it, it takes me out of the story because it feels like a, you know, like a 1920s. Listen, bub, you know, that kind of, kind of thing. Wait a minute. You just said how much you like Dick Tracy, which was exactly He's one of those lines. To be from like, Dick Tracy. At no point did Dick Tracy go fools. <laughs> <laughs> there was, there was no, no point in there. It just the, the, there was this mother character and she was so mysterious. It just it, I, I don't mean to denigrate. It just felt forced to me. It didn't. Okay. It didn't. It didn't flow easily. And then I had the other elements that kind of pulled me out of it. So yeah, that, that that's where I register. Not a book that you're going to keep reading in the future, then. Uh, not unless I'm assigned to do so for John and Paneled. That's correct. okay. Noted. <laughs> <laughs> Would that be my spider sense returning? What's that? It's back. Way to go. Don't let those overgrown tin men keep you down. What? Just too many of the big guys for you, buddy. What? What? Hold on tight. Can Spidey handle a sentinel's blast? Whoa. Grab a copy of this month's Spider-Man. Marvel Comics, it's mayhem for your mind.
And now on our second hot seat interview of the day, I have with me Jim Pruitt, the co-owner, COO, and head publisher of Scout Comics. Jim, how you doing, buddy? I'm pretty good, George. How you doing today? I am doing awesome. It is so great to have you on here. We like to give you guys a couple of questions just so we can all get to know you. Our audience wants to know more about you. First question out of the gate, where were you born? Where's your hometown? I was born at Valdosta, Georgia, but I grew up in Winter Robins, Georgia. So I'm a Georgia boy. Okay, Georgia boy through and through. Nice. Uh, Tell us all a little bit about your work in the comic industry. I know you're currently with Scout Comics, but you've had a pretty long history, a pretty long run in the comic book industry, haven't you? Yeah. My first published work was in July of 93 in Negative Burn number one in Caliber Comics. I became the managing editor and associate publisher of Caliber in September of 94 and moved up to Michigan for that for five years. And I left Caliber the December of 99 did a little bit of freelance. Um, that's Marvel work at 2001 or two. Like I've lost track of the time for that. Right. Did X-Men yeah, <laughs> Limited. Then I kind of retired for a little bit when I had kids. And they're older and one's in college, one's in high school. So I'm back in the business now. Wow. So that's pretty cool. I mean, Caliber to Marvel and now to your own company that you're a co-owner of. That's a pretty nice career, I would say, even with the break in between to take care of your children. <laughs> yeah. Um, for free comic book day, you have a book called Midnight Sky. Give us a brief 30-second description, a little elevator pitch of Midnight Sky. Midnight Sky, I said a cross between the invasion of body snatchers and they live. So it's basically, um, let's say when you work up in a world and your son, you discover is not your son. It's been replaced. Or you go see your your um, your spouse, your, your wife, and it's not who you thought it was. It's, a, it's been replaced. So basically what's happening in um, Midnight Sky is that there's some interdimensional beings called the changelings. Um, which have been talked about oh. for centuries. And they look like us. They replace us is what it comes down to. That's where the body snatchers comparison comes to. So what happens is when they come to our world, they replace us and we go to their world. And their world's dying. It's why they're, they're trying to come over to our world and take it over. And they need to make it more like their atmosphere and everything. So they're replacing us. We're going to their dying world. So we're just basically switching worlds. And that's kind of the, the gist of it. And All right. Yeah, that's really cool. And, once, and what happens is that the main character is Jennifer. And she has a young son named Allah. Alejandro and a daughter named Melita. Alejandro is a changeling. He was right. she was changed as a baby. She didn't know it for a little bit, but she's actually raised him as her, her own kid for the time being for like the last 15 years. The daughter Alita is actually a hybrid. So um, her husband, who was a changeling, who replaced her husband, um, they actually had a kid. So Alita is actually the secret to how to defeat changelings. I don't want to get too much details of how it's right now. But. Right. That was where we saw the cut on her arm and the blood right. goes out yeah. and does a whole bunch of damage. Right. Okay. Yeah, her blood's lethal. That's what it comes down. Nice. So tell us a little bit about what your inspiration was for the book. <laughs> dreams. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some dreams. Um, and, and I was reading some stuff. I think it was called The Secret Commonwealth. I believe it wrote it in the 1700s or something. It was about um, a man who who wrote about being replaced. And he, he was replaced by fairies. He went to a fairy world. So that was kind of an inspiration for me as well. Um, I like changes better than the fairies. I think it's a little bit more, um, what's the word, mysterious. Fairies, you get a little... In which okay. it's not quite, you know, it's Tinkerbell. <laughs> so I think the change was a little bit more ferocious. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you have a pretty diverse team at Scout Comics. Give us a little rundown of who's on your creative team on Midnight Sky. On oh, the Midnight Sky? Okay, well, I'm the writer. The, the creator. Um, the artist is Scott Vanderlin, who um, was the artist on Smoketown. Oh, the, good title. Yeah, I, that's my favorite Scott book we've done. And no one, everybody who's listened to me, I love all my Scout books, but that was the one that actually resonated with the most. And that was actually the first book I brought to Scout outside my own work. 
um, in this area. So he lives in the D.C. area. The um, colorist is, I'm not right, quite sure how to pronounce her name. So I don't, I don't okay. know butcher it. She's Italian. Um, and we, we talked through through um, email and things. I actually talked to the phone. Um, she was actually the colorist of Zinnaber that we did. Um, oh, another good book. Yeah, Alira, Aliria Fella, I believe okay. my, that's my rough interpretation. Of how to eh, say it. Close enough, right? Yeah, but she's <laughs> great. She's brilliant. She's a brilliant coach. She's one of the best ones I've seen, and I just love working with her. She just brings a, like almost a painting aspect to the the coloring is the depth she brings to it. Really brings the art out to it and the emotions. So the reason I picked Scott and Scott is actually you know I'm, he's kind of co creator. He he gives me a lot of good ideas. He he's he's a ball a ball of energy. He sends me all these notes. That, hey, how about this? We thought about this. So. He's an artist. He's not just an artist. He loves to contribute with it. And, you know, I'm going to use some of his ideas. I can't use them all because there's so many of them. You know, it takes so long to do the story if I did that. Right. Because he's just bouncing stuff out and just, it's something's going to hit. But um, it's a true collaboration. So I'm, I'm making him the co-creator from that aspect goes. Um, I letter it. So that's pretty much the team. Before we get out of here. We've got a special little segment here for you, Jim. We've got the four rapid fire questions of death. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess so. <laughs> He's, I'm enthusiastic. You can tell. There so. you go. I can tell. <laughs> Question number one, your favorite Muppet. Oh, um, Muppet. No, okay. I close the Sesame Street characters too. I'm, I'm Cookie yeah, sure. Monster. Cookie Monster. Cookie Monster. All right. Fair enough. Good. Like Cookie yeah. Monster. Uh, so I, I, I use Cookie Monster to teach my kids um, alphabet. C nice. is for Cookie. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> right. Question number two. A guilty pleasure that you're ashamed to admit. Oh, good gosh. Um, well, I don't know. Um, I'm ashamed to admit. Well, if you ask James Hake, I like Dr. Pepper. He hates Dr. Pepper. So that's what I'm... <laughs> okay. Dr. Pepper. <laughs> Fair enough. Your favorite 80s film or TV show? Oh, okay. Um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That's just the first thing that comes oh, to my head. Yeah, good choice. Very good choice. All right. How about your favorite comic book or character that you have not created yourself? Warlock. Adam Warlock. Oh, Adam Warlock. Infinity War, Infinity Gauntlet. Good yeah. character. His own series. Yeah, nice. The original you know, from Jim Starlin in the 70s. That was my favorite time right. period. There you go. Well, before we get out of here, Jim, do me a favor and give us a brief little plug of where we can find all that wonderful scout stuff, including Midnight Sky. Oh, great. Well, your local comic store, you know, they care if they don't have it, please ask for them by name. Um, also, our, we have a website, scoutcomics.com, and we have a web store there where it has all the scout books. Plus, we just opened a scout HQ in Fort Myers, Florida. If you're in the area, please stop by. We have a showroom with every single scout book we've ever published that we have and an inventory left. Nice. Well, thank you very much for spending some time with us here on Drawn and Panel today, Jim. Hey, no problem, George. Anytime. I enjoy it. Secret Wars. Marvel supervillains are coming. Secret Wars. Can the Marvel superheroes stop them? Marvel supervillains and superheroes figures each sold separate. Here, Doctor Doom and the Doom Platoon. Magneto, Doctor Octopus. There, Captain America and the champions of freedom. Spider-Man and Wolverine. Secret Wars. The secret's out. Doctor Doom and Spider-Man. The Marvel Secret Wars collection. Other figures each sold separate. From Mattel. If anything in this episode has piqued your interest, we put links in the show notes you can click on to find out more. Catch up on past shows and be alerted every week when a new one drops by subscribing to us wherever you get your podcast. Also, if you're enjoying what we do, help us keep the lights on by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash genxgrownup. And we love to hear from our podcast listeners, so please write to us at podcast at drawnandpanel.com. 
And that will wrap it up for another edition of the Drawn and Paneled Podcast. Before we get out of here, guys, I got a question for you. Okay. Out of the four roundtable books today, which one was your absolute favorite? John, we'll start with you. Oh, damn it. (laughs) Yeah. So from a story standpoint, Dark Age, from an art standpoint, Dick Tracy, uh, you're going to make me pick just one of them I guess Dick Tracy because it was more fun in general like I know I would continue to enjoy that so I'll stick with Dick Tracy alright fair enough Jason uh, I'm going to have to go with Dark Age because I liked the art I liked the premise the glasses exploding was just such a great scene to me so Dark Age oh yeah, yeah. George I, you know I'm going to agree with you guys and go with Dark Age as well. Mm -hmm. I thought I was going to like Ascender. I thought that was going to be my favorite book because it was unique and different Mm -hmm. in a lot of aspects. But after reading it and talking with you guys about it, and especially Dark Age, which kind of came in last minute for us, man, that that story really... The underdog wins again. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it took over. I mean, it was a great story, a great premise. We've seen those kind of things before, but not done in this way. And I very much looking forward to when this thing comes out later this year. I'm so. very eager to see if they can continue that because now the really cool apocalypse thing has happened and so mm-hmm. they can't do that anymore so I hope they explore more of ramifications of the loss of metal, right? Let's yeah. not just live in the dirt and plastic. I want to see more things that are broken or damaged or weird because of no more metal. Mm-hmm. I want to see more. Yeah, I think so, especially after talking with Don a little bit, you know, they're going to explore all about the, the first Americans, the Native Americans are going to, you know, they're coming back to prominence because their old ways Mm -hmm. you know are more in line with the new world with no metal you know all the stuff that they so I think there's going to be some interesting stories that they're going to have in this series I'm definitely looking forward to it one other thing that I'm looking forward to every single time we do one of these episodes is to thank our patrons over at patreon.com slash genos grown up that is you Corey Stubaka Will Steen Jessica Marcus Dana Slomo Thomas Agile and T2 thank you guys so much for joining us here at Gen X Grown Up in Patreon helping us with just a couple of bucks a month to keep the lights on here. You guys are some of our favorite people in the world. What a tremendous gathering of human beings you just listed. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you so much, all of you. That will wrap it up for this edition of the Drawn and Panel Podcast. We will be back in two weeks with our regular edition, but next week with our back issue, Jason, tell the people what we're going to be talking about. We are going to look at the origin of Superman in a post-crisis on Infinite Earths story, Superman, the Man of Steel. That'll be really cool to see what they change up, what things stay the same. Be a lot of fun. Looking forward to that one. Jason, thank you so much for being here. It is my pleasure. John, thank you as well. Yeah, appreciate it, gents. And we will see you guys next time. See everybody later. Bye-bye. Fools! Gen X Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. We're also an affiliate of the Geeks Worldwide Radio Network. You can check them out at the GWW.com. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo. And for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. 
tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.